continue in this series on the book of Revelation. How many of you love Revelation, though you don't understand it? Amen? It's not, a, it's not an easy book to understand, but God gave it to us. And we've noticed something, that in 22 chapters of prophetic Revelation, the first thing the risen Savior focuses on is the church. Chapters 2 and 3, he's talking to seven churches. Before he goes into telling us how the world's going to end, and by the way, it's not going to end by global warming. No, it's going to end by the hand of God, but there is going to be an end to the world. The book of Revelation tells you how it's going to end. So let's stand together, can we? I know we've been standing a lot today. We're going to keep you in shape around here. Our Lord Jesus sees everything, knows everything, has power over everything, and time is going to end at his feet. And I want to read to you today out of Revelation 2, verse 8, where he's addressing the second of seven churches. We talked about the church of Ephesus the first time, and the church of Ephesus was the lacking church. Lacking because they had lost their first love. But today we're going to talk about the loyal church. The loyal church is Smyrna. I want to be the loyal church. Amen. How many of you want to be a part of a loyal church? And I'm going to tell you how to do it. So let's look at starting in verse 8. What Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, says to this church. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write. These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works. Everybody say, he knows. Look what he knows. I know your tribulation. I know your works. I know your poverty. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. But they are a synagogue of Satan. Whoa. So do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer, he says to this church. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful to death, and I will give you the crown of life. Strong words. Father, we just thank you for the word of God today, and we pray, speak to us in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he knows. Now, what Jesus says to the seven churches, he says to you and to me, everything he had to say to these churches is relevant to you and me today. Because they are spoken prophetically. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So what he said to them, I really believe, he dealt with every problem that could possibly beset a church and gave a word to it. So what he said to Smyrna, he's saying to us. All right? Now, when you read the book of Revelation, just so you'll know, the number one theme, it's got one overarching theme, and that overarching theme is that Jesus is coming back. It says, Behold, he is coming with clouds. Chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, that's talking about the Jewish people, and all the tribes of the earth 
will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Why will they mourn? Because they're going to realize, oh my goodness, it was all true. He really was the Son of God. Now with that in mind, he speaks to Smyrna. And he says some things that are very, very powerful. First of all, I want you to know that Smyrna was a wealthy city. It was famous for its medicine and famous for its science. So it was an advanced culture. And yet it was spiritually very dark. Just because you are advanced technologically, medicinally, agriculturally, in in all the ways that you can be scientifically advanced, doesn't mean you're not deeply spiritually dark. Think of America... Our own nation, very advanced, but never been spiritually darker, to my knowledge. We're we're literally groping in the dark in America. Smyrna was wealthy. Smyrna was advanced. But Smyrna was full of people persecuting the church. Smyrna was not receptive to the message of Christ, much of it, the the official hierarchy of Smyrna, politically and otherwise. They were not receiving it. Now, there was a church there, and of course it did grow, but officially, as America is now, there, there was an antipathy to the gospel. And the glorified Savior appears to John, and he says, I want you to say something to the church that is struggling along in Smyrna. He said, first of all, I want you to know who's addre- I want them to know who's addressing them. I'm the one that was dead, now I'm alive. He who was dead, you tell them that the one that appeared to you is the one that was dead and is now alive. You tell them the one that was dead got up from the dead, and I'm the one talking to them. I'm the resurrected Messiah, and I'm very much alive and well, and I'm in control of all things, and I've got a word for them. We didn't worship today a memory. We didn't worship today an idea. We didn't worship a philosophy. We worshiped a risen Savior, a person. He begins his message to them with the words, I know, I know. And to me, these words, they're they're empathetic. It's not just a statement of fact, it's empathy. I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're experiencing. I know the heartache. I know the trouble. I know the struggle. I know how the enemy is attacking you. I know how you've been spending your time, the the works you're doing in, in my name for my glory. I know all about it. I'm seeing everything. You never do anything for Christ, even though not a human knows about it, he knows about it. And and he'll say to you, even if you're you're you you feel like the least important in the church of Christ, Jesus says to you, I know your works. I know what you're doing. And I know your tribulation. That word tribulation is distress, pressure, your inward stresses. I know what's raising your blood pressure. I know how you're under stress. I know what's stressing you out. I see the reason you're stressed. I'm looking at your stress. I know that you're feeling 
like you're in a pressure cooker. I know it. I'm aware of it. Empathetically, sympathetically, I'm telling you, I know. I know. And he also knows all about the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and they are not. Uh, they're part of the synagogue of Satan. What in the world does that mean? There were Jews, the Jews of, of uh, John's day and Jesus' day were totally, were anti-Christians, anti-Christ. They were against Christ. Now, many of them got saved, but as a whole, the Jewish community, he came unto his own and his own received him not. His own being the Jewish people. And they were persecuting the church in Smyrna. They were persecuting the churches everywhere. Paul the Apostle would go preaching the gospel, winning souls, and, and they would attack him. They tried to kill him. They tried to stop the forward march of the gospel of Christ. They didn't want anybody departing from Moses. And Jesus is saying, even though you say you're following Moses and you're godly, I'm telling you, you're a synagogue of Satan because you're resisting me. I don't want to resist the Lord. I want to be for the Lord. Amen. I want to magnify the Lord. So they were bitterly opposing Christianity in Smyrna. And then the Lord drops a a bomb on them. Not not something you want to hear. I don't want to hear what he said to them. He said that their troubles were about to get worse. He said, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil's going to throw some of you into prison to test you. Uh, You're going to suffer for 10 days. So twice he says, suffer. Now let me break this down in a way that, that matters to us. Because this word is relevant to us today. Here's the first thing. Jesus knows what trials are coming your way. Everybody say, he knows. He never says, well, I'll be. I know I say that a lot, but I can't think of anything better. Well, I'll be. He never does. Because he's never surprised by anything. He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at once. There is no place he's not. He's everywhere. And, and, and being omniscient, he knows tomorrow, he knows today, he knows yesterday. When Jesus looks down, he's not dwelling in time. When he looks down, he sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at once. And he says, I know to the church in Smyrna, I know what's coming your way. So Jesus knows what trials are coming our way. We never wake up and go through something difficult that he didn't know was already coming. He knew everything that was coming before it arrived. And here's the good news. Knowing what's coming, he gets out ahead of it and he prepares you for it. And he's always there to say to the devil, checkmate. Amen? No, never, the devil never gets one up on Jesus. Not, not ever. The devil's a dog on a leash. He's a, a mad dog. He's a rabid dog. But he's a dog on a leash. And Jesus knows what he's going to do before he does it. And he knows what's coming your way and mine. He knew exactly what the devil was up to with this church in Smyrna. Here they are. Some of them are poverty stricken. They're, they're trying to make, make their way. They're under persecution from the Jewish community. But they're staying faithful. They're they're working for his glory. And Jesus said, let me tell you what's coming. I want to prepare you for what's coming. 
And I want you to know that I'm with you when it comes. And I'm going to grace you. And I'm going to carry you. And I'm going to get you to the other side of it. So I don't want you to be afraid of it. Because I've got this. He knew how the trial was going to go down. Some of them were going to end up in prison. The devil was going to throw some of them into prison. And Jesus said, I know. I see all. I know all. I anticipate all. Now, you know why we need this? We need this because we can't see what's coming. We don't know. We're, we're, we're ignorant about most of what the devil's up to. And can I go ahead and tell you, we're ignorant about most of what God is up to. Yeah. Because the Bible says now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. When we go to heaven, we're not going to need faith anymore. We're not going to need the Bible anymore. We're not going to need prayer anymore because we're going to know like we have been known. We're going to see like we have been seen. There is not one thing that is going to be withheld from our knowledge because when we get to heaven, we will see and know perfectly all things. Amen. But until then, until then, I need to walk with the one who sees exactly what's coming, is going to prepare me for what's coming before it ever arrives. Because we only see in bits and pieces and momentary glimpses of what the enemy is doing, of what God is doing. And that's why you need to get into the Word of God every day, because the Word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, and it will at least give you some information you would never arrive at on your own. Remember what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, let me tell you, I know what the devil's about to do in your life. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Sift you like wheat. That's powerful because wheat being sifted, you would take this big pitchfork. And here's a big pile of wheat that has just been harvested. You throw that, you stick that pitchfork into it and throw it up into the wind and the wind blows the shaft off of it. It's a violent upheaval. And that's what Jesus told Peter Satan wanted to do to him. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. Now notice the advantage Jesus has. I got a GPS. Everybody got a GPS? I think you got a GPS. I got a GPS. Now sometimes that GPS will tell me to go away that I do not understand. I'll be cooking along and I know the way, but I'm just, just in case anything, I've got the GPS on and that GPS will suddenly tell me to go a weird route I've never gone. And I got to go, I don't know about you. And you know, I got the, the English speaking female voice that's on it. You know, go here, this way, uh, and then turn left. You know, this kind of thing. And here's this voice telling me, to go this weird route that I've never gone. What is she doing? Where is she taking me? But I go ahead and I trust her enough to go. And I go this weird route and come out on the other side and realize that there had been a terrible wreck on the highway and she was leading me to avoid it. I'd still be stuck there if not for her. Well, listen, we've got better than a GPS because I've also had that GPS lead me to a blank parking lot where there was nothing... And I've had the GPS make a mistake, but we walk with a GPS that never errs, never makes a mistake. And he sees what is coming before it arrives. 
And he said, here's what I'm going to do, Peter. I'm praying for you. He said, I pray for you that your faith would not completely fail so that when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. And sure enough, Peter denied the Lord, went back to his old life, tried fishing, didn't work, didn't catch anything because there's nothing back there. Once you've walked with Jesus, you have burned the bridge to your past. All right, so... so Peter did come back to Jesus and did strengthen the brethren. Jesus is praying for you and me. He sees what is coming. Some of you have been in a great battle. I want you to know he saw it coming. He knew that it was coming. He's already prayed for you. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's naming your name. He's calling out your situation. He's taking your case to the Father in heaven. And he's praying that your faith does not fail. And if he prays for you, it's always answered. And he says this word to Smyrna. He says, I know I've told you some heavy things. I know I told you that you're about to be in some real tribulation and and some of you are going to go to prison. But then he said, don't be afraid. Don't let fear grip you. I'm in charge. My hand is on the temperature control of your trial. And I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to grace you to endure it all. So know that whatever you're in, he saw it coming. That's what I get out of this. And he's praying for me. And I'm not going to build a tent there in the trial. I'm not going to build a house in the trial. I'm going through it. I'm in it, but I'm going through it. And I'm going to come out on the other side stronger and better for it in Jesus' name. Another thing I see here is he knows how long your trial is going to last. He said, he said you're going to have trouble or tribulation for 10 days. You know, I was reading in the Bible in my devotional this week and David prayed this way. I really appreciate his transparency. He said, my soul is in deep anguish. Is your soul in deep anguish today? You struggling today? You feeling alone today? You feeling like God doesn't see your trouble today? He doesn't know about your trials, your struggles? Or like maybe he's given up on you because you have failed too much? Do you feel that way? Can I tell you, he never gives up on you. Jesus never runs away from a runaway. I like that. Jesus never runs away from a runaway. Ask Jonah if Jesus ever runs away from a runaway. No, he'll find you. And he will bring you back home. And he's pulling for you. He's praying for you. He he is gracing you. He has already made up his mind. You're going to make it. You are not going to die along the way. You're going to get to the other side. Now, we don't know what Jesus meant by 10 days. You're going to have tribulation for 10 days. Uh, it wasn't a literal 10 days. That's not what he meant. It was figurative. It, uh, it could be referring to 10 ter- terrible periods. They would go through with 10 terrible Roman Caesars because they were under Roman tyranny. It might simply have meant that they were going to face uh, 10 waves or seasons of great tribulation in the life of their church. We don't know for sure, but we do know He knew how long. So if you've looked up and you have said, Lord, how long? David asked it twice. I'm in deep anguish. How long, Lord? And in case you didn't hear me, how long? 
Because sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Where is God? Why is he waiting so long? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you why. Listen to what James said. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. Did I read that right? Because if I'm in a lot of difficulty and temptation, I don't feel happy. I'm going to tell you, I don't feel happy. It is not natural for me to be going through hell on earth and to say, I'm so happy. Right? Why would I feel happy? Because for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. I wish that patience was a gift and it could just be dropped on me and we're done with it. How many of you wish that? How many of you are great at patience? Anybody raise your hand. I want to meet you. I want you to lay hands on me at the end of the service. One little child back there thinks they're great at patience. But I'll bet the mom would disagree. No, we're not. Because gifts are sown, fruit is grown. And patience is a fruit. And this week it occurred to me that how am I ever going to learn patience unless God allows into my life things that try my patience? And they follow me everywhere I go. I don't have to pray for it. No, this week again, I got into a line at the store. I don't know about you, but when I go to the store and there's four lines and here's all these grocery carts full of groceries, I study them. I look at the one, which one's moving fastest before I commit and get anybody behind me, right? So I'm at the grocery store, I'm studying And I see this one line. This one line is booking. It's going better than all the rest. So I get behind it. And yes, the woman at the counter says, I can't find my card. (laughs) And it's this. And she's searching a purse that might as well have been a suitcase. (laughs) Everything in the world was in this purse. She's taking everything out on the shelf. And I'm watching everybody around me. And I'm thinking now, Jeff, remember, you're a preacher. And you're an you're a outspoken Christian, so watch what you say and do. And this poor little woman, she's got, I'm telling you, she dumped the contents of her purse onto, the, and, and, and the, the cashier is helping her go through all this stuff. And I'm stuck because people are behind me, and now the other lines are real long, and I'm stuck. And I said, God, Why? It was like the Lord said to me, because you need patience. Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Like 10 minutes later, she finds her card. People have left my line. People have gone away huffy. But I stayed true. (laughs) Walked up. Yeah. Walked up to the uh, cashier and said, bless your heart. You go through all kinds of things. She said, Business as usual. But here's the Lord's promise till the end of the trial. Here's the promise until the trial ends. Are you ready? Don't fear. I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will, everybody say it with me. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise. Now, one last thing he said to Smyrna, and he says to all of us. He says, Smyrna, you're about to go through tribulation. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. 
Some of you are going to prison. I'm telling you ahead of time, I know it and I prayed for you. Here's what I require of you, Smyrna, and of all the church throughout time. Be faithful to me. Be faithful in the trial. Be faithful. If you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Everybody say, be faithful. Now, faithful to what? Just faithful to put one foot in front of the other? Faithful to not go out the exit door? What does it mean, faithful? Let me tell you quickly what it means. One, to your profession of Jesus. Be faithful to your profession of Jesus. Jesus said, if you stand before others and are willing to say you believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you belong to me. But if you stand before others and say you do not believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven, you don't belong to me. Whoa. So what is he telling us? Be faithful to being his. Be faithful to his name. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Don't hide. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid to say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Son of God. He's the risen Son of God. He's coming back. I'm not ashamed to say, I know him, that I am his, and he is mine. I'm not ashamed. Because I sure don't want to hear him say to the Father, they don't belong to me. No, there is a, it's very, very important, especially as the hour grows darker in this culture, to not renounce his name, to not be ashamed of his name. Turning point, we'll never be ashamed of his name. We will not be ashamed of his name. Second, we've got to be faithful to stand with and for the truth of his word. Not just his name, but his word. Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Why would I be ashamed of his words? Because some of what he taught ain't popular today. And you've got to take a stand not just for him, but for his word. His word. I take a stand for his word all the time. I have people badmouth me because I stand for his word. I don't just stand with him, but I stand for uh, uh, and I... And I I preach and I teach and I communicate his clear word on morals, on ethics, on marriage, on everything pertaining to life and living, on everything clearly taught in the word of God. I stand by the word that he taught. Come on, everybody. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So I'm not just not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of what he said. I'm not ashamed of what he taught. The last thing, you've got to be faithful even when it hurts. And it will hurt. Can I talk straight to you in closing today? It will hurt. If you walk with... He that would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will. Didn't say maybe. Said will. You will. It'll hurt sometimes. Sometimes walking with him, you got to lose some things. You got to lose some things. I don't know what that might be. It can be a lot of things. To the first century Christians, they lost their homes. They lost their livelihood. 
and sometimes they lost their lives. But Jesus said, even when it hurts, you got to stay faithful. So I want you to stand with me today, would you? And say, faithful to him. Can we try it? Come on, everybody. Faithful to him. Faithful to his word. And faithful when it hurts. I was talking to a guy online claiming to be an atheist. And he was mocking me. And he, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Big deal. I consider the source and I move on down the road. But he was mocking me. He said, you believe in that great big fairy tale in the sky? Mocking. And I just quoted back the word. I'm not ashamed of him or of his word. What he taught. I'm going to go on a limb in closing here, but here I go. This whole thing, the whole transgender thing where people are claiming to be what they're not, and children are having their lives destroyed, mutated, destroyed. I wonder, where's a lot of the church? Because it doesn't seem like a whole lot of the church is speaking up. Why? Because they're, they're ashamed of his word. I'm not ashamed of saying his word tells me there's two genders. And that's it. XX chromosome or XY? XY, you a boy. XX, you a girl. There's no XXX, YYYYXXYYX. Um, but I refuse to depart from the word. Because I'm not ashamed of his word. A lot of the church is. We've got to get out of that. Because our country's sinking. We need people stepping in the pulpits and breathing fire. Not shooting squirt guns. Right? I can hear some visitors thinking, well, we really ended up in a big one today here, Martha. Well, let me tell you, Martha, it's a good thing you're here. Because... We need to stay with him and his word, even if we lose some things. Are you with me? So let's lift our hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord and say with me, Lord, thank you. I stand with you. I will not forsake your name or your word, even if it hurts. Thank you for coming to this world to redeem my soul. Thank you that you knew what was coming before it ever arrived. Thank you you know how long it's going to last. Thank you you're going to get me through it to the other side and I'm going to be better for it, stronger for it, more spiritual because of it and more like Jesus. In his mighty name, amen. Give him a hand of praise. Come on, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church.